Good morning, good morning, good morning. I don't believe I'm by myself. Good morning, church. Has God not been good to you on this Sunday morning? How many of you all know that last night could have been very well your last night, but the God of our weary years and the God of our silent tears saw that it was necessary to tap your lungs and your heart and say, you shall not die, but you shall live. We shall put our hands together and praise the God for whom all blessings flow. Let me put your hands together for Jesus. Thank you so much for the invitation here today. Uh, my good friend, my, my brother, my homeboy, Pastor Matt Laney, we're so glad to have you here. We're so glad that you allowed me to slide on down the street from 101 Jackson uh, Street to share with you on this day. I greet you on this first Sunday in Lent and the last Sunday in Black History Month. This is the 100th anniversary year of the establishment of this particular church. A church, as you know, has come a long way down through the years. A church that started out rooted in white superiority as a Southern Baptist church and complicit in all the patriarchy and racism that too often characterize the history of that tradition. A church now that has been on a journey of resurrection and justice seeking and getting into, as John Lewis would say, good trouble. Since the early 1990s, with the election of female leadership, ordaining women, and LGBTQIA folks in the ministry, offering same-sex ceremonies, all of which ultimately led into freedom from bondage of which God has always intended and promised you. A church that now walks in hand in hand with the historic Ebenezer Baptist Church and many churches in the area in the work of social justice, we have stood together, Pastor Laney and I, in federal court against the state of Georgia, challenging their voter suppression practices and demanding that voters' rights be honored and the voters' voice be heard. We've marched together in the name of black lives, and we have stood beside our sisters supporting women's choice. A church that has come so far along the way that can now wave a rainbow flag in pride at the threshold of the entrance, a church that recognizes that God is love for all. Through it all, God has been good. I'm going to lift attempt to preach to you. A sermon based off the scripture that was read out of 2 Kings. Do you know what it's like to be marginalized? When the oppressor pushes people to the edge of society by not allowing them a place within it. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know what a woman goes through constantly being looked over during promotion season? at the job, even though she's put her best foot forward and worked hard all year long. 
but because she didn't give in to the demands of a patriarchal work setting, she did not get the promotion. Do you know what it's like to grow up in a ruthless government? A government that oppresses the poor, a government that does not make higher education accessible to black people, an oppressive city equipped with bad police who are killing innocent people in the streets. Or could you imagine the agony women go through not being able to exercise their rights and choose what's best for themselves? Or perhaps when white evangelicalism and distorted theology tries to deny you access to an all-living, all-loving, all-merciful and ever-present God just because you're different. Or maybe you've been a victim of mass incarceration, like here in America. People of color make up 30% of the U.S. population, but 67% of the prison population. According to the Sentence Project, African Americans are more likely than white Americans to be arrested, and once arrested, they are more likely to face stiff sentences. Everyone is fighting and standing up for their respective communities, demanding access to health care, equal rights, birth rights, voter rights, women's choice. Can you imagine the strength they all had if they came together and got on one accord on common ground? When our intersections meet, we can face we can all face the same enemy. Hmm. But do you know what it's like to be marginalized within the marginalized community? Let me try to break it down for you. Can you recall attending a family reunion? We don't have family reunions like we used to back in the day. I used to have them all the time. But can you attend can you recall attending a family reunion back in the day with the purpose of reconnecting with relatives and meeting new ones? You know, you're excited about attending because as you arrive at the pavilion, I'm giving you my story from the late 1980s. I was a little kid. I can't tell you how old I was. I may have been five, six years old, but I was so excited to reconnect with my family at large. And as my mother and I got to the top step of the pavilion, no different than your family. With all of your excitement, I looked to the left, and I looked to the right, and I noticed that these people who called themselves family were not in communication with one another. No different than your family. The first table was the table of the haves, right? Those who had a little bit of money, right? Then across from that table were those who did not have as much. Then you had the table of the educated. Then you had the table of those who just didn't give a doggone. All in the same family, but marginalized within. Then there's that group of cousins that are still, they haven't quite made it tired the pavilion. Why? Because they're in the minivan, passing around the peace pipe, trying to muster enough strength to be able to deal with these clowns in the pavilion. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> 
And I remember just sitting there just like wondering, what is this all about? But in the midst of all of that, I noticed someone at the DJ booth recognized the division amongst the family. And he grabs a record. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all might not know anything about uh, Frankie Beverly and Mays, but I know a few of y'all do. He grabs a record and puts it down on the record player. This tells you how long ago this was. Two turntables and a microphone. And he begins to play a song by Frankie Beverly and Mays that says, we are one. The same folks that weren't talking, the same folks that were purposely, you know, separated and, and sequestered from one another, they began to move the tables and move the chairs and get down on it on the dance floor. Some of y'all know about that dance floor. For that slight moment, they forgot about their differences. And I, as a little kid, was so confused at what's going on as you would be too at six years old. And I looked to my mother and said, well, what just happened? These folks act like they didn't like each other. My mother leaned back and laughed and said, son, at the end of the day, we are family. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm Negro Baptist. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, we are family. You've got to believe that deep down in your soul because if I mean something, you mean something to me. Turn to the one behind you and say, neighbor, we are family. For the time that we are gathered together today, I want to share from the subject, in search for common ground. The late theologian, Dr. Reverend, Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman defines common ground as an effort in building community. He calls us at once to affirm our own identity but also look beyond that identity to that which we have in common with all of life. He believed that the search for common ground is a twofold journey, personal and self-exploration and building community. And that meaningful and creative shared experiences between people can be more compelling than all of the faiths, all of the fears, concepts, and ideologies that separate them. The common ground approach can bring people together during conflict. When you focus on what you have in common, you're able to see eye to eye. This can help you feel more at ease when someone doesn't agree with you. You can develop empathy for each other. In rhetoric and communication, common ground is a basis of mutual interest an agreement that's found or established in the course of an argument. Finding common ground is an essential aspect of conflict resolution and a key to ending disputes peacefully. Now, as we weave through this text, we find the story of four individuals whom by society are not identified by their name, but they're identified by their predicament and by their condition. 
What is a leper? They were lepers. What is a leper? A leper is one that has a skin disease. And today, that fa the facet of the diamond can be called something else. It could be because it could be called they're different. They think differently. They walk differently. And it was enough for this ruthless government, by law, to get rid of it. Now, you got to understand that the same government that was getting rid of them was dealing with a famine. So the city was already dying because of lack of food, but had the audacity to still kick out those who are a little bit different. They were kicked out of the city. They had to wear certain clothes and special veils to identify them. They had to keep themselves at a distance from others. They were marginalized and disinherited. They had, to they had to cry out unclean if someone came too close. They were burdened by limits at home because of the lack of food. They were burdened by their condition. They were limited because of their pain, limited because of mental illness that had built up around them sitting there, limited because society had kicked them to the curb, limited because fear, the fear of moving forward. When you're intentionally seeking common ground, it encourages us, us three things. The first point is, it encourages us to communicate and collaborate. One of the lepers took the initiative and asked the question in verse 3, why should we sit here until we die? Notice she didn't say, why should I sit here till I die? But she made it a collective and made it inclusive and said, why should we sit here until we die? Notice they didn't complain about the disease of which they had been struck with, didn't complain about their predicament, didn't whine about the poor weather conditions, didn't say a word about the famine in the city, not a word about why their families allowed this to happen to them, but she only asked why they, the four of them, had done nothing about it. Why should we sit here and die? Perhaps one was black. Perhaps one was same gender loving. Perhaps one was a woman. Perhaps one identified as they. I'm trying to give you an idea of who we're talking about in these four lepers. She had seen that they were all sitting there with the same problem hated by the same people and faced the same dilemma, sitting between a rock and a hard place. You know there had to be some kind of resistance when the question was asked. I'm sure the fellas had a problem with a woman confronting their laziness, pointing out their weakness and airing out their dirty laundry. I'm sure a few of them had to be scared to take a risk to move forward from where they were, nervous about what could happen to them if they moved from where they had been put. I'm sure the inquiry really created more of a stir than what's presented in the text. You know we're all gonna have that someone in our family, in our posse, in our group, who's always whining and complaining. In 2 Timothy verses one and seven, we are reminded that God has not given us 
the spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. However, they were able to settle their differences and address their hunger pain together as community. They realized that working together works. They, they began to form intersectional alliances. There's nothing like a common enemy to strengthen the relationships between those who are oppressed. So much can be accomplished when we let go of narcissism, selfishness, conceit, and intentionally seek common ground. We've got to get together as a people, get over our differences, learn to trust, address the issues, not, and prepare an inclusive agenda that gives equal rights and civil liberties to all of humanity. Let's execute a plan, justice or else. But what's the plan? Where do we go from here? Yes, it's rough out there. Yes, it's hard work. Yes, we might live. Yes, we might die. It takes all of us to save all of us. And when I come out, you're coming with me. And don't let your condition stop you from getting to the destination. Common ground provides a pathway of communication which leads to trust. Second point, when you're intentionally seeking common ground, it not only encourages us to communicate and collaborate, but it likewise empowers us to move forward. Verse five of that verse says, they rose up at twilight. Someone in the group had to speak up and address the issue. Someone had to see that hope unborn had not died. Someone had to knock some sense into the others and help them receive the message that we got to go. Yes, taking a step is risky business, but as the late German theologian Paul Tillich says, faith is the ultimate concern. They recognized that God had designed their physiology to go forward. You gotta think about it. You're sitting outside of a city, folk don't care about you, they don't like you, and finally you're able to talk out your differences with one another outside the stoop and begin to encourage one another. You are God's child. You are more than a conqueror. No weapon formed against you can prosper. Perhaps they began to encourage one another as they became community and began to recognize who God created them to be. They recognized God did not create them to go backwards. They recognized their nose, their eyes were on the front of their head. Their arms swaying forward, they walked forward. And the only thing that's in the rear, only waits. Recognizing who God created you to be. In order for me to become all I'm going to become, I need you to become all of who God has created you to become. Though I walk through the valley of the shadows of death, but we recognize shadows don't hurt. And because they got up and stepped out, verse 6 declares, For the Lord had caused the enemy to hear sounds of chariots, and horses and the sound of a great army. It's all because you move forward in faith. God moved the enemy out of your way. Because you move, God made a way out of no way. I believe as they were walking from the city towards the camp, they sang, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God promised to keep me. 
never deleave me. God never came short of God's word. Verse 8 says, when these leprous people had come to the edge of the camp, they went into one tent and they ate and they drank. They carried off the silver, the gold, and the clothing, and they went and hid them. The tents were loaded with all of the basic necessities of which they did not have. God did what God does and provides all of your needs. Now, when God blesses you, when God makes a way out of no way for you and your predicament, do you carry off the goods of God, the resources that God has given you, and hide it? Is it just for you? What if I were to tell you God blessed you so that you can bless someone else? Lastly, when you're intentionally seeking common God, it, common ground, it not only encourages you to communicate and collaborate, it empowers us to move forward, but likewise enables you to share the gospel. Verse 9 says, what we are doing is wrong. This is a day of good news. If we were silent and wait until the morning light, we'll be found guilty. Therefore, let us go tell the king's household. These four lepers decided to, to go back to the same city that kicked them out. Go back because what was most important is that they build a healthy, equitable, sustainable food system to ensure that all who were hungry had something to eat. I believe they organized, they organized the first or the precursor of the bread of the world for the world because they were intentional about ending hunger. Instead of being greedy, they address the threat to food security posed by the climate of the famine crisis, and they return to the same community that kicked them out. And I think not only did they come back carrying the resources, but just at that family reunion when Luther Vandross, not Luther, but uh, Frankie Beverly, record was dropped, We Are One, I believe they brought back a, a DJ. I believe they brought back a DJ because this is a day of good news. We're excited. They didn't come back grudgingly. They came back excited. The only way they were able to do that, they had to get over each other's differences. God didn't bless you just for you. God blessed you for someone else. And they came back and they dropped that record. And that record said, can't understand why we treat each other in this way, taking up time with the silly, silly games we play. We've got our love, and no matter how it's said or done, we are one. No matter what we do, we are one. Love will see us through. We are one, and that's the way it is. We are on. Be careful of how you treat others and cut folk off. They may be the very ones that can aid you in this fight for freedom. So press through your critics and naysayers. God can turn tribulation into treasure, turn persecution into power, be a blessing. God's, God bless you, not for your sake, but for the kingdom's sake. And once you've made it, don't forget about who delivered you and blessed you. Don't forget that it was the very voice of God that scattered the enemy and moved them out of the way. It was the hand of God that provided you exceedingly, abundantly, beyond everything you could even ask or think. Seeking common ground causes you to work through your differences. Working through the differences opens the door for healing. 
And when you're healed, you have a changed mind, a changed heart, and a new outlook on life. When you're healed, you don't keep it to yourself. You got to tell everybody your testimony about what God has done and for you. You left broke, but you returned whole, motivated to share the gospel, the good news, that there is a blessing in seeking coming ground. And when I'm blessed, you're blessed. And as I close, I do so quoting the late, great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. In a real sense of life is interrelated. All men are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied to a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. I can never be all of what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you could never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. This is the interrelated structure of reality. I encourage you to lift every voice and sing. Till earth and heaven rings, ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening sighs. Let it resound loud as the roaring sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun, thus our new day begun. Let us. Let us, let us all march together until victory is won.